Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shoutouts on the podcast. I've recently started working part-time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated, and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full-time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hooptheory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hooptheory. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the George Gervin episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 63. My name is Logan Wortman. We're recording this one on the afternoon of Sunday, November 5th. And as usual, I am joined by my fancy co-host, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how's it going? I'm doing good. Not feeling very fancy, but uh, appreciate it. Why aren't you feeling fancy? Just, um, my, my football world is not doing as good as my basketball world at the moment. Mm. Uh, Patriots struggling a little bit. Huskers lost, lost a tough one on Saturday, but we kept fighting, which was good. And we knew the offense was bad. That's not a secret. <laughs> um, then also everything possible went correctly for us to still like somehow be able to play for the Big Ten West. Because Wisconsin lost. Illinois lost. No, Illinois won, but they beat Purdue. No, I'm mixing people up. Anyway, everyone that lost needed to lose. Iowa did win, which stinks, but we can play them head on head and get things done. Mm. So, what's Nebraska's record now? I don't really pay attention for those of you who don't know. Five and four. We were five and three. We're going to be five and four. We have three games to win one to make a bowl, which is Maryland at home, Wisconsin on the road, and then Iowa on Black Friday at home. So, we is have Iowa win. good this year? No. Okay. No, like better than either. us, though? I would call it a just. Flip a coin in the air. Okay. Because when teams have good defenses and terrible offenses, it's like always a coin flip. That would make Unless sense. your defense is like insane at turnovers. Because if your offense can't move the ball, your defense is constantly playing at like a disadvantage, like with less and less field to work with because your offense can't even flip the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just becomes, it just is a genuine issue. It basically but, starts off with whoever gets better field position first. Yes. Also, if any of our listeners are not obviously probably in tune with Nebraska athletics, if you want to run through brick walls, go look up Matt Rule pregame speeches. Even if you don't like Nebraska, no, they're so good. Mm-hmm. He did one uh, on the later ones. It talked. It was an October game. We had like a breast cancer like ribbon on the back of the helmets, mm. and he gave like a speech, and it was just like, da. <laughs> it was. It was. I watched geez. that one that KD retweeted. But that's still that one was seen. also juice because that was mm-hmm. the if we die we die one right yeah I want to get mm-hmm. that t shirt as a t shirt yeah maybe a tattoo if I get I feel bold enough this one the big one uh because he talked about like all these things and he goes um something about a warrior doesn't need a weapon a warrior is a weapon you're just like Matt <laughs> Matt rule woo anyway yeah uh love me some Matt rule mm-hmm. and then uh but 
Nebraska volleyball has scary one against Penn State. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just. Eh. Last weekend I was feeling really fancy because my Celtics were firing. Patriots eh, uh, looked okay. Uh, yeah. The everything was going great last week, two weekends ago, whatever it was. I was feeling on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And this weekend I'm just kind of. But my Celtics, as this is a basketball podcast, still cooking with some crispy sauce, getting yeah. better every game. Looking like it is a definitive one in the East. The East runs through TD Garden. <laughs> yeah, it honestly does look like that. I think it will be Nuggets out West and Celtics out East for most of the season. We're super early in, so that's a pretty bold call. But still, it, that's what it looks like right now. The Celtics being, I think, the last undefeated team. Right? Yeah. You're at, you guys are 5-0. and oh. Nuggets Someone are the only team. undefeated? Nope. Nuggets are the only oh. team with six wins, though. Or six and one. Oh wow! Yeah, That's a lot of games. Two more games. Mm-hmm. Seven versus five, I guess. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, the lowest somebody's played is five, and the most somebody has played is seven. So yeah, that's the opposite end of the spectrum. I know this week is a big week. Celtics have like a road trip. It's not that bad of a road trip, but they go like, I think it's Minnesota Monday. Who we'll talk about later probably with your Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And then Philly on Wednesday, and then Friday for our first in-season tournament game, we have um, Brooklyn. Okay. And then we might play Saturday too. So who who's in your guys' group for the in-season tournament? Do you know? I, mean, I, I know the, to make the sure Nuggets. I don't get bad information. Yeah, the Nuggets have the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Rockets, and the Mavericks. Obviously, because that's who we played. So what? What oh, is making me a little irked about this is what what is with this random group? Th- like, what is the point of it? Why don't they just do divisions? This like, is comical to me because the Celtics group, you ready for this? What? This is because there's, there's five teams in each group, right? Yeah, just like a division. Yeah. Yeah, it's Nets, Raptors, Magic, and Bulls. I don't know if you could have rolled an easier group. Yeah, for real. Like, that <laughs> makes sense for, like, the team that's that had, like, one of the best records last year. But, like, the Nuggets were the champions, and we get... We get Clippers, Mavs, and Rockets, and uh, what was the other team? It was actually a pretty good one. Clippers, Mavs, Rockets, and Pelicans. So like yeah. three pretty good teams, and then one not so good team. But um, it's just yeah, it it seems a little weird. I don't know why don't why don't they just do it like divisions? That's what I would prefer. Like I feel like that would be cooler to have like division champions. It's like how like kind of like an NFL bracket style. Yeah, winning your division means something more than it does in the NBA. Because yeah. in the NBA, it's like a thing that gets labeled, but I don't think there's ever like a, yeah. we won the Atlantic. Like, it's, I don't a, think it's, ever... it's a tiebreaker. It's a secondary tiebreaker. It's a, when, whenever there's a three-way tie between teams. Which we if, almost had a couple years ago in the East, if I remember right. It was, there was a couple years ago in the West. There was Blazers, Lakers, and Mavs oh. were all tied. And... Um, I think it was the Mavs. They they were the number one seed of their division in the Southwest, so they got the tiebreaker over the other two teams. And then the other two teams, they their tiebreakers head to head between each other. And I so, get why they, it's only East and West. I get why it's split that way. Obviously, because if you're playing these teams more every mm-hmm. year, because it'd be hard to like because you play everybody once and then they do play the everybody twice. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in season tournament, you play everybody once. Yep. And then you mm-hmm. do the knockout. So, I don't know. Um, 
I am fine with it, I guess. Do you want to talk about the NCAA tournament now a little bit? Yeah, I think we can start with that. But the thing, I guess, that I'm just confused with it for is just why, like, what is the point of making these random new groups that are changing every year? Why don't you just stick to divisions? Like, that's, it's literally the same exact structure as a division, just different teams. Yeah, I don't get that either, to be completely fair at all. I don't get it. It makes no sense. They said it was, it's like calculated by something to do with like previous season record, but like, I don't see the pattern in why. And like, it just seems like, why don't you just. What, what were the Grizzlies <laughs> seeded last year? Was it the two seed? Yeah, there were two. No, that's not how they did it. Cause like looking at it, the West is a lot harder than the East. Cause I think the West has like. 13 competitive teams mm-hmm. and then the east has like 12 or 10 11 it's just the the east has a lot less the whole nba is primed for expansion adam everywhere has people that can play um but i just think that like that probably also makes it worse because like another thing is if you look at what's the toughest one it might honestly be this is because they're all pretty even outside of East B or East C, sorry, which is the Celtics one. But like breaking them down, it's Memphis, Phoenix, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers. Three good, two bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nuggets was Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavs, Rockets. One bad and four good. So like there's only so many ways you can, but then the West C honestly has five good. T- Four and a bad, if you count the Spurs as bad. But we'll talk about them later because, okay, maybe the Suns are bad at basketball. They weren't short some people. But uh, it just, it seems kind of even now the more and more I look at it. Because, like, the East B is, I'm just an East group is the Bucks, Knicks, Heat, Washington, and Charlotte. Like, that's a bunch of turds and the Bucks. Yeah, I guess. Kind of. I don't know. I get the. One second, some jackass just revved his bike as loud as he could. I heard it. Um, I just think it's weird because the uh, groups are not something that's like a thing where you can always know who your group is year after year and like remember, like have like a like a rivalry sort of situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, this whole thing could also get shaken up aggressively in yeah a short number of years. Yeah. Um, but things will probably these, not remain so the same. We were under kind of a little bit of confusion. Games only happen on was it Fridays and Tuesdays? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fridays and Tuesday games will be your in season tournament games through just before Christmas, right? Yeah. I think all of November, I want to say. And yeah, maybe a little bit into Christmas or into December. Oh, championships the ninth. So it's well before Christmas. So it's pretty much just the month of November. Yeah. On Fridays and Tuesdays, you will have group play and then into the knockout round but the knockout round starts and that's in las vegas yeah. i think all of the actual tournament games will be in las vegas i thought it was only eight teams advance yeah so those those games will be in las vegas i think yeah so it the knockout rounds will consist of similar elimination games in the quarterfinals played in the nba team markets on the 4th and 5th of december so the first round of so only four teams go to vegas and oh. then the teams that play in the championship will play 83 games as opposed to 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the thing that confuses me 
is if you're not counting an extra game, like if Nuggets Celtics are playing in the quarterfinal in Vegas, does the Celtics Nuggets game in Denver or in Boston just get removed? It just gets moved and it's gone now from where they're, they'll just have a, a an off day whenever that game was supposed to happen down the road. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that they, yeah, I assume. Cause with my luck, it's going to be the Denver. Or no, Boston probably game not. With, probably not. I I'm guessing but then these how, games, how, these games are probably the ones that are the extra. Cause you know how if you play everybody twice and then you play everybody in your conference three times and everybody in your division four times, there's still like something like 10 ish games left over Oh, to get to 82. So those games are probably what's in here. Like it doesn't matter who you play because you know, you, you might play some team three times instead of two, but it's fine. So do they just not have 82 games scheduled? That's what, no, that's what I guess I'm more trying to figure out. Is I understand that it would be one of the extra games that you have that's not like the required. So they do have 82 games scheduled. It just, it just doesn't. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't change anything that's already scheduled. You get what I mean? But that means they would, unless I'm tracking wrong, they would have to know what's going to happen. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying. Like everything else is nailed down. You play every other team the minimum minimum amounts. Yes. And then these ones are just they don't matter who you play because it'll just be extra. But then how do they have 82 games scheduled? They don't have 82. They have whatever the number is. That is the minimum okay. for how many you need to play against each team, which is like 70 or okay. 74 or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Now I'm tracking. Yeah. Cause they so, just didn't count the games they had scheduled. I didn't count. You know uh, I yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how many they have on the actual schedule. With like this, this is the team that's playing this team thing, but I mean, because the only but there's only going to be a handful of games that are not scheduled, you know, the actual in tournament ones. There's only two um, or three, three, sorry, three. Yeah, at max. Well, and only two of them would matter because it would only be the the only ones where they have to make a matchup that fits into the eighty two would be your group of eight and your group of four, your quarter, your semifinals would be the only two where you don't know who you'd be playing and they make a matchup out of out of the ranking thing. You know what I mean? They make a matchup out of the ranking. So, the, out of the out of the group stage because that championship game is an extra game you can just forget about. Like that Yeah, but the, you can forget about these two though, kind of. Like it's like any anything after whatever uh 16 or yeah, fifteen times, uh, fourteen, like whatever the when you play everybody twice, your division three times, and or your conference three times, and your division four times, whatever that adds up to, that number is like the only ones that matter in terms of how many you know games you play against somebody else. Everything yeah. after that is like flex, you know. So that's no. already how it is. Like, um, oh, I understand I, that we're on the same wavelength on that one. What I'm saying is if they already have 82 games scheduled which I don't in think terms they of do. released at the beginning of the year they don't they didn't do 82 I th- games. I think they do they have like 79 because or no so se- they have 80 in a couple months in advance. They'd have 80 because the team that makes it to the finals plays 83. Yes, that's what I was okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I think every team base baseline is is only scheduled to play eighty games as opposed it's to playing 82. eighty, and then at some point, probably the day after the end season, they'll just randomly throw three games in or two games in for everybody. Maybe I honestly day. don't know if they they'll just play eighty because that's like a th- you know people wanted to play less games. You know, I feel like that would have been like announced rather obviously that oh most teams will play eighty games except for these four. It, I feel like there might have been some conversation about that. I don't remember. I know there was a discussion about it because they wanted less games. Yeah, that's been a thing I for a while. They want to go to 72. There was a lot of people. But then the problem with that is if not the one extra game is a little different, but if you got one team playing three more games for like yeah. MVPs, for rookie of the year, like there's so many more things that's like. But why does that affect that? Because now, now that there's the, the you have to, just play 65 games, you know, for the award thing. Um, that's why I like that edition of the of the the games played thing for awards because then you don't have to look at games played for awards. It's just wh- whoever's played more than 65 is an equal candidate to no, anybody else. No, but we brought up how Embiid last year or two years ago had this crazy number in the games played if he had to play 65, which I think he barely did last year. But like... Played 66 last year, yeah. We'll, we'll go back and go to uh, MVP one of Jokic where he played 82, right? I think. Jokic, Jokic having 30, 15, and 10 playing 82 games is leaps and bounds more impressive than Embiid having 30, 15, and 10 in 66 games. Yeah, I guess you can make that argument. I'm I'm kind of... I like the, the addition of the 65-game minimum rule because... I'm no. I'm turning that off as a variable now because I've in the past I've never known how to weigh Quantify games play that. yeah because I'm like it feels like other people are like oh if you played this many games more games than this other guy then that matters this this much and I'm like I never know how to weigh that like I feel like as long as they've played sixty five that's makes them a candidate you know yeah I just but in my if I ever have a vote there's no world where I won't. If that it might be, exact it could be a tiebreaker. I think you could look at it as a tiebreaker. But, but just because if a guy and somebody else have the same stats and there's like 15 different games played, a difference yeah. of 15, that's mm-hmm. like a ton of games to be like, eh, that's a wash. Yeah. Like it, I get where you're coming from as well, but I feel like, so yeah, I, I should just sometimes sit down and count how many games they have scheduled. But I, I think they'd have to make everybody play the same outside of... I thought I heard somewhere everyone will play 82 except outside of the champion will play 80. The people in the championship game will play 83. Okay. Yeah, that might be the case. I thought I heard that. And so, and if that's also the case, then after that championship game, they'll just look forward and plug in games for people. They'll just make a couple extra matches to get everybody to that 82 because they couldn't have bet on certain people making it and certain people not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then teams that played in that uh, knockout stage won't have any games added only teams that didn't so the eight teams that make it to the knockout won't play won't have any games added to their schedule so there are some teams that could have 81 you're saying no no um so like because like the the first round round. would have to play the the four teams that lose in the first round that don't make it to the semifinals would have to have one game added Mm-hmm. But the quarterfinal teams wouldn't, and then obviously the championship teams wouldn't yeah. have to have any added because they'd be at 82 with that in-season tournament. 
I'm sorry. I don't know why I had to do mental gymnastics on this now, but my brain was like struggling. To come I to also it. think, I don't know at one at what point, but I think some I heard somewhere that somebody said the losses in either just the championship or maybe in the final four, the losses don't count towards their record. No. It should only be the championship game because you're playing an extra game, in my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But uh, I guess and that makes sense because it in you know, there's like no nothing that you could lose for getting to the tournament round. Like the bracket. And also they have to play eighty because they put betting lines on eighty two. They have to play everybody has to play at least eighty two. And then I bet you that championship eighty third game doesn't count. Well, the betting lines in in, in in seasons that have been shortened, like that you we previously didn't know were gonna be shortened, they just go by percentage. Like but we knew this season going in was going to look like this. Yeah, but so we felt that way going into the COVID year that end, ended up being only 70 games, 72 games or whatever. No, um, I, I, I'm tracking. I'm more saying that this, like... Oh, I see. But it, this season was advertised as an 82-game season. There's not something outside that's coming in to shorten the season. This is like what the NBA rolled out. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it, cause what they the didn't pass odds, they either nullified vote or they didn't, they just adjust like, oh, they only played 72 math moved down or did they just kill for betting the, odds? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what, so like if a team just cause an easy number is 50 or 41 wins and they only played 73 or 70 or whatever you want to say. Yeah. They, we don't, okay. yeah, I think everybody gets it. <laughs> they just go it by win percentage. percentage. Instead of games played, they just took the percentage of what it would be. Percentage equivalent. Yeah. Win percentage. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, so. But the main reason, the courts. Sorry, I don't know if you have anything else to add. We kind of jumped around. In yeah, the, I guess one thing. Your mic's out for me. I don't know if it is for the recording, but it is for me. Hello. I've got yep. you back. Um, but what I was going to say, I saw something today or yesterday, I think, that. Uh, Tyrese Halberton said that he thinks that the winner of the tournament, the in-season tournament, should get an automatic playoff berth. Um, like that, that could be a thing that could incentivize teams to get it. And I'm like, I don't think so because what in the world would that like? If you if you secure a playoff spot in November or December, I guess because early December is when the championship game is. If you're if it's early December and your team is already guaranteed a playoff spot, what is the point of the whole rest of the season? You know, you would just practice. Yeah. And just like, like there's no point to do like to play your stars, to do like really anything. So I, that's a terrible idea. Well, I I also thought uh it was a terrible idea because um there's only one team. So like there's a year where you're a playing team and you're fighting for your life and you're right there. And then somehow the 11th highest, we'll just use the East. Somehow the 11th best team in the East won the in-season tournament and you're the 10th seed a couple games ahead of them. And then you just don't get to be in the play-in. Cause I'd imagine they would just like shrink the play-in to be the, the nine, eight to play the seven. You know what I mean? Right. I'm okay. not tracking at all. <laughs> okay. 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 So, it wouldn't work because the East, then you're like qualifying for the playoffs and the East and the West would just be different. Well, only one team gets in. Yeah. But the, so the, the West would just be normal. If the, if an Eastern conference team wins, yes. wins it, the West would just be normal. The East w- would just <clears throat> lock in somebody at, with a playoff spot. And then whoever is the 10 seed is just not the 10 seed anymore. 
and the nine is the 10 seed and so on and so forth, you know? But no, but I'm saying that if the team that wins the tournament does what you say and is one of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah. We're on the same page of there's no world that this will happen. Because well, yeah. then you tank, you get the first overall pick and you still make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely have to be a rule that they would change for sure. But, but, but my thing is like, let's say that it's the... 11th best team in the East, I'll use the Magic, are the team that won the play-in miraculously. Magic win the play-in, and the team above them is like three or four games above them, and they're the 10th seed, but since they automatically won it, the 10th seed that did like... You, did you mean the in-season tournament, not the play-in? They won the in-season tournament? They won the in Sorry. The Magic okay. win the in-season tournament as the 11th... End up being the 11th seed in the East. Yep. The team they're behind is the Raptors, who are the 10 seed, but they're like four or five games behind. The yeah. Magic are behind the Raptors. The Raptors are just SOL of the whole season played. Yeah, and that's normal- how it would work. Yeah, for yeah, sure. and that's dumb. That's it's dumb yeah. for more reasons than that, but that is reason numero uno and that it is al- a stupid idea. Also, I think that's even a better situation than what Tyrese Halliburton is proposing because he's saying secure a playoff spot, not just a play-in spot. Oh. Well, no, I'm saying that because then the plans would just shift up one because there's like the 10 would get knocked down. So six and seven would have to be playing the traditional seven, eight would be six, seven and vice versa. So like, exactly. Yeah, that's dumb. That's levels of stupid. It would be. I agree. The only world where it's like. Maybe if you win the play in or you win the end season and you're in the plan, you can get like. In the the one one elimination knockout, you can get like they have to beat you again or something stupid. That's dumb. I don't even think they should do anything. No, there's nothing. I, it shouldn't exist. That's a dumb idea. Tyrese you Halliburton, get, you're a wizard you get, on the basketball court. Stay out of front office. Yeah, you get an extra win for your your win percentage, which is a good thing. But and not also, the championship game. I think you do for the eighty third. That's so dumb. Well, that's see, that's a good thing. Why is why is that dumb? No, no, no. it's but, no, it's dumb in terms of just like making people be on different playing fields. And I get they earned it and they played for it. Being different. But if the losses don't count and the win does, it just gives someone else an extra opportunity. Yeah, that's the point of it, though. But it shouldn't be. It's supposed to be something that doesn't impede on the season. Impede? It it just, it's, it's, it's an incentive for teams to want to get. Hypothetical situation. I'm tracking with you. The... Bucks and Celtics. Bucks beat the Celtics in the in-season tournament. Okay. Only in the knockout stages. In the we'll say in the quarterfinals, just to whatever. Because I think they're setting up so it has to be East-West at the end in the championship yeah, game. Yeah, I think. I think so. Mm-hmm. So they beat them in the quarterfinals. So they get the Bucks get that extra game. Comes Ooh, so down to the semifinals. They beat them in the semifinals. They beat them in the semifinals. So the Bucks end up getting that extra game to play eighty-three games. Mm-hmm. The Celtics beat them in every other way. Whatever. They have and a tied record. They have a tied record, and the Bucks would get it. If yeah, if they have just one more win, why shouldn't they? I don't see why how that that's just literally just a tiebreaker. It's not that big of a deal. But it's just the head to head tiebreaker. I I always felt that if they have a tied record, but in this case they wouldn't have a tied record because they won the in season tournament. They got an. They'd extra have win. one more loss. They'd have they one more win. No, if both teams have 42 wins, so Celtics would be 42 and 40, Bucks would be 42 and 41. 
So they would have a worse win percentage, so that wouldn't matter. Never mind. My brain broke. No. Yes. Sorry. I had it flipped around. In so my brain. Bucks, you're saying Bucks lose in the championship game? Or win? Yes. Yes. Sorry. They have the same record, but the Bucks lose in the championship game. Oh. Well, so then they wouldn't. It would just they would have to, a normal record because it would not that loss wouldn't be added to the loss column. But just the win would be, which would give them the bump up. Yeah, because I don't. You wouldn't want a loss thing because why punish the 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 second place winner of the in season tournament? Like who would want to get second place? You know what I mean? No one but would the, want to get. Yeah, but the Celtics loss in the same tournament for the same thing counts. Yeah, because it was earlier on, and it count, and that's just like a normal regular season game. It wasn't like. It just was a pretty coat of paint I, on a regular regular season. I honestly am not against all of the tournament games. Like once they're in the knockout round, not I'm not against. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that honestly. Yeah, like for those losses to not count against them because what would losses be losses or wins? Just make the games not count. I would say wins do count. I like that idea because it's like an actual. Because how else do you make make like an actual impactful advantage from getting to that point for? impacting the rest of the season you know what and I mean? maybe this is going back to our gambling thing which i don't even ever think made the episode of like why change it what why are we why are we swapping things around that already is like a beautiful thing that works why are we like i because i think there's a lot of people who think that it's not a beautiful thing that works and that's why they are trying to change that's the whole point around adding this in-season tournament is because everybody everybody's like uh saying that the nba is boring during the regular season the ratings keep going farther and farther down because regular season games are just there's too many of them and teams don't care about them enough basically and so they're trying to add this like stretch of the season where things do matter more well hey adam silver don't do it in november at the start of the season don't do it five games in i yeah i agree i think it should probably be it should probably be around or maybe even after football playoffs january yeah, yeah. Have the I, in-season tournament end at the start of the All-Star break. Yeah, that's what I was Magic. thinking. Mm-hmm. Just have it be the guys play, and then you can have, and then the championship game would rotate to different places. The final four could rotate to different places. For it where the All-Star in, game is, it would not be in All-Star break, but it would give the like give that city an extra week, pretty much of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the teams would be there, and it would just be. Like an extended all-star and then, weekend, and then you, you get don't... all of the all of the like you know faces from around the league that aren't in that game are all there watching it. You but know, it like can't it... be during it can't be during the all unless you're gonna just make the maybe that's could what be... they do. They just make it a longer all-star break. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could but just the... be the first day of all. Like it could be like on Friday, you know. Friday, there's that like the game. championship game. Yeah, and so the, those teams are the only teams playing a game still, and then after that, they're. On break. They, they get the break. And then you just guarantee that they don't have to play coming right back out of the all-star break. Yeah. For the like They might not off. play till Friday instead of of the next Thursday. week instead of playing on the the Thursday. Yeah. Or Sat or Wednesday. When do they open after the all is it always on Thursday, Friday? I think. On Thursday. I think yeah. they get Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. So yeah, and yeah. And that would be and then your quarterfinal game could still be just have it be played as like a regular game at a regular person's thing. Yeah. Instead of making that a special game, also just make or the semifinals. Sorry, mm-hmm. I think quarter four teams, but my brain's dumb. Um, yeah. The semifinal games are just like a regular game, and then the championship game would be this opening to all star. I think we just did Adam Silver's job, or whoever does that for the NBA. That's a way better idea because that's when the NBA starts to go down. People stop caring. 
because it's right in this weird middle, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's about halfway through, trade deadline, people pay attention for that a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, and then you could also stretch it out so Tuesday games don't have to be as part of your play-in tournament. You can have your play-in tournament start in December and just sprinkle them in every single Friday as like, oh, there's a day where there's not NFL football. You want some, oh, you want some yeah. meaningful NBA basketball on Wednesdays? Yeah. Tuesday's mm-hmm. also a day like that. I get why Tuesday's the other day. Um, but like Friday's like people would go to bars and watch it. Mm-hmm. These fun little. And there would only be in. one a week. So it'd be make it more of like an appointment viewing, you know? Yeah, there'd be only one. Yeah. Each. Well, I think each team already only has one per week, but it would be like. Yeah. Spread but, out more. Yeah. I guess that is more of like general people watching other teams games, not just their ones. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yes. I, we need to, should we write a letter? I think we should. <laughs> I'll write a letter. I mean, we have this. We could send this to somebody. That's true. No, I genuinely think that we should probably maybe do, no, we'll do like a more, we'll make a PowerPoint or I'll make a PowerPoint and we'll do like a more concise, less rambly now that we've got our thoughts out there. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you should try this. Yeah, that would be good. Because what? who complains? Who doesn't like it? <laughs> yeah, honestly. I think that would be a better way to do it because I feel like there's enough enough uh, excitement reason- already right now. Yeah, for the early season, for people watching, seeing new faces on new teams and uh, like rookies and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, but looking at, I guess the courts. I, I, you wanted to. I just so I was a hater on the courts, and none of the atrocities outside of Chicago's court saw um, action on Friday. And I take back what I said about. Because I said I kind of digged or dug, whatever. Um, you weren't watching it, were you? Yeah, you were watching I, wa- I wasn't until later. And when I actually started watching it, I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. But I saw earlier that day, I saw like a picture wh- when the arena was empty, like earlier that day. Somebody took a picture from like a like up in the rafters. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that looks kind of cool. But then on the in the game, it was like way too bright of a red. It was like just way too much. It was really well. That's why I'm terrified for New Orleans when they play on Friday. For the green. Oh my! Whoa! Well, yeah. and the thing I didn't like about um, Chicago's also oh, Chicago. is the ball disappeared sometimes. Yeah. Not like all, but it was just like I feel like keeping an eye on the ball should not be like a labor. Yeah. On the eyes. I agree that they they have some touches to make but i like i like the i think Concept. they should do more of like the neutral colors like gray or white or things like that on the court but i do like doing the non-wood color because that's that's like the differentiator of like oh this is in-season tournament not like a normal game you and then I, mean? I think the nba did a very good job i will defend them where i can jerseys do not none of the city edition jerseys blend in with the courts thus far mm-hmm. they just exist they don't yeah. blend in. They just exist. So also, I think that's worth the, bringing up. The Nuggets jerseys that everybody hates and I, I also hate um, don't look as quite as bad when they're wearing them. That's very true. Like I, I, when I saw them on the players, I was like, oh, this is like not like I would like them if they just didn't have the big 5280 on the on the belly. And instead it was like Denver. on the chest they, and said, don't Nuggets. change. I w- don't even change anything. You can leave it on the belly because you need a different look, whatever. It's not perfect. Yeah. Just have it say Denver. Mm-hmm. That would be better, for or sure. Nugs I, or I would Nugs. Rock, I, I would. I would, rock, I would like a. I would rock Nugs. nugs. Yeah, 
That'd be cool. I also don't love the. I feel like I, I would like also, the. How crisp would that court be? Just nugs across the middle. <laughs> that would be a meme. That would give you instant internet fame. Yeah. Um, but the. The little you know the wraparound on the jersey, yep. the blue with the mountain. I feel like if that was like a little bit less, like close to the black, like you could see it a little bit more. I would like it. I I kind of get like wanting it to be kind of faded, like fading a shadow ish. Yeah, vibe. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, I don't I don't love that one. While we're on your Nuggets, would you like to talk about probably one of the few times we'll be able to talk about Nuggets not playing super well? Uh, yeah. I know you want um, to bring it up, and I feel like. We could just rip off the band-aid and get it done now because I have nothing further to talk about. We already did quite a bit of content on the uh, group play. Yes, we did. So in the Nuggets game uh, that we've lost so far, we're 6-1. and one. We're the only team with six wins at the moment. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned that on episode or if that Talking was before. for... Yeah, like uh, you guys, the Celtics are the only undefeated team left, but the Nuggets are the only team with six wins. Um, Celtics have four games this next week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So that will catch up when we're 9-0. That'd be pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. And so the Nuggets' only loss was against the Wolves, so an in-division rival, um, and also just kind of a team that is specifically built to compete against the Nuggets uh, intentionally by their GM, Tim Connolly, who's the former GM of the Nuggets. Um, He's done a good job to beat the Nuggets. He has, Yeah. So- for sure, because he knew he knew uh, the thing that gave Jokic the biggest troubles while he was in Denver was teams with two bigs, and he's like, "I'll I'll get two bigs," and I kind of want the reason why I wanted to talk about this game is because I wanted to give some respect to the Wolves, honestly, because I I heard a lot in the playoffs last year and people just talking like a lot of Nuggets fans saying that Gobert is trash and like uh, he. Like he gets just roasted by Jokic. Like, how can he be a great defender if Jokic just uh, like roasts him? Yeah, and I was like, to me, I could when I'm watching games, there's a clear difference in games where Jokic is playing against a guy like Gobert or a guy like AD in particular. Those two guys are the main ones. Where it's like when when it's a game versus those two guys, Jokic misses a lot of shots, and like stuff is is tougher for him in the paint than he it normally is. Like it's noticeable. It's not that he he has like bad games and he's not still like dominating, but it definitely doesn't he doesn't he can't just play the exact same way. He does have to like alter how he plays a little bit because of that presence inside. Um so there's definitely an effect that they have on Jokic like just in terms of like being able to contest his shot and blocking some of those that usually aren't blocked. Um so I just wanted to mention that that it's not like Gobert's a complete zero. Like he de- he's definitely a uh, obstacle for Jokic to overcome. I think he's turned into almost like a meme villain. He's kind of like the Nickelback of the NBA world. Like exactly, he's yeah. got good stuff, but people are like, "Oh, he, he, he's shown up in the playoffs." I'm like, "Yeah, because you're asking him to be a defense for five people as one man in Utah." Mm-hmm. And then he did the whole the whole COVID thing. So then just Gobert was a villain. Yeah. Um, and and he was good in the playoffs last year with the Wolves. So no, I mean, people, he was the people that, nobody talked about it. Except, I mean, then you hear like Bruce Brown, oh, I think our hardest series, that's the one that I always think of, was the yeah. T-Wolves. And mm-hmm. Gobert was like 45% and then Ant was the other 55% yeah. of why it was like, that was tough. Yeah. Uh, and that exact recipe that made that playoff series tough 
gave them their first loss. On top of just seemed like an off night, which is going to happen. It's an 82-game season. Yeah. It just seemed like an off night for the Nuggets. Yeah, I want to say Jokic had, at one point, it was like he had uh, 20, I think he had 15 of our 17 points at, at, at the start of the game, which is nuts. That's no, like 87% is, or whatever. That's pretty close. Yeah. Doing off uh, the brain math. Um, wait, yeah, but... So like and Jokic, for those who don't know, if Jokic is scoring a lot, that usually means the game's not going well. Yes, I was like that is the thing that whoever you want to say discovered it. Eighty eight percent, you were pretty much right on the money mm. of the points. I had to look it up, but like that's the way you beat Jokic is just like okay, make him like force funnel him everything, and now that he's like so efficient, it's like okay, well it's not as fun. Yeah, um, and he was like a lot more reluctant to have to do it, but. Things are going badly if Jokic has a 60-point game. That was yeah. not a great team Nuggets. Obviously, if he had 60, it's not a team game. But Nuggets mm-hmm. probably lose the more Jokic scores. Like, you get, like, an impasse of, like, a ratio of assist to points. I was stumbling around looking for that word. The ratio of assist to points can tell you how good a Nuggets game was mm, with Jokic yeah. directly. Yeah, honestly, probably could. Um, and so, like, in the Wolves game, it was interesting because – like the Wolves definitely had a distinct like game plan and the Nuggets typically the the way they usually play because of how dominant they are they can get away with this but like how they usually play is just like take whatever the defense gives you. Yep. So it's like whatever the defense is doing we're, we're going to play into their hand but we're like we're still going to do it. We've got enough pieces that we don't have to care. Yeah, so like if if somebody closes out hard on an MPJ like for a kick out when he gets the ball, like for a catch and shoot three, if somebody's closing out hard on him, he won't take it. Usually he'll actually pump fake and put it on the floor or try to get to the rim. The wolves, that was their entire game plan was close out as hard as possible on every shooter because we want them to drive into the paint against Gobert and cat. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was so many times in the first quarter where, where MPJ and Jamal in particular were getting into the paint because they gave up, like they didn't take their shot on the three-point line because somebody ran him off and then they get into the paint and they just are stonewalled by by Gobert and just all the length down there. Um, the other really big thing that I think would have made a difference in that playoff series, like 100% would have made a difference. I'm not saying they would have won. I don't think we would have actually lost this playoff series last year if Jaden McDaniels was there, but he was a big, like that would have been a big thing because he would have been scary. I don't think they go to seven or anything crazy like that, but there's a chance they have to play six in every game scarier. Yeah, Jokic would definitely had to have like taken more of the load because Jamal, like, I think Jamal is, it's probably the the toughest matchup that I've seen Jamal have to deal with, like where it's like he's stays Probably. with them stride for stride and he's just so long that like Jamal is just it gives him a lot of trouble, um, but. And yeah, so I also, I remember I said earlier in a few episodes ago, I kind of laughed at the GM survey saying that somebody voted GM, uh, Jalen's, wow, Jalen, I just said his name, Jaden McDaniels, not Jalen, that's his brother, Jaden McDaniels as uh, a breakout season candidate. And I think that, honestly, I, I, I take that back. I, I wish I wouldn't have laughed at that because there are definitely some things that he could probably add like I before I was like, he's just got a three and D wing. That's already what he is. So I don't think he'll like how is he gonna really get a breakout? But he could break out to be like being like a 
absolute 100% like all NBA, like defense, all defense defender. Early Kawhi, like levels yeah. of like, no one will, you will shoot 17% on this man. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, if he has like the, if they need him to, which they don't, fun fact, because they have Ant. Yeah. He he can hit a bucket or two. Like, yeah, early, early Kawhi. Not not finals Kawhi, where he did a lot for him offensively, but just straight, I will take your best guy that's my size and neutralize him the most that anybody can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and uh, on the offensive end, yeah, be, being like knockdown shooter, uh, developing in that way, and also uh, being a guy who can put it on the floor a little bit, get in the mid-range take it to the basket just kind of you know uh what's the word for it purify that offensive game a little bit to get to that level i feel like that could definitely happen um and the other thing watching him just makes me so mad like i think that's the number one take that i've had in that whole like uh trying to make the decisions for the gm jane mcdaniel should be a nugget yeah like we got that text like three or four times during that uh when was it last at some point last year we did i just got Jaden McDaniels should be a nugget. Like I could go back and find a couple examples. Oh, last year? I I, I feel like la- probably, maybe yeah. last year. I feel like I've done it like multiple years. Yeah, we're ever, just like, like ever since it's at it, He the should draft. be a nugget. He should be a nugget. Yeah. Like I love Zeke Naji. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Jaden McDaniels. It's not they're not it's not a competition right now. Like there's not I'm not saying there's no way Zeke could turn out to be the better player for for his whole career, but I'd like that is a Big. That's a pretty big gap at this point. No, I would say that the ceilings are like the same ballpark, but right now the floor for McDaniel's is just so much higher. Yeah, mm, exactly. Which, when you're a team like the Nuggets, you don't really care about people's ceilings because mm-hmm. you have the all-time ultimate floor raiser in the history of ever. So guys that have a high floor that you can just like bring up. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I thought Jay McDaniel's was just a no-brainer pick there because of you know the reason why people were scared off of him um he because he was like a top five high school recruit um but then he he slid all the way to 20 he got picked after 22nd because zeke naji was the 22nd pick i think he might have been like 23rd or 24th um is where he actually got picked but i thought he should have been picked at 22 the reason why people were scared off of him was because he had a like an absolutely terrible freshman season at washington um, really really bad yeah didn't shoot well at all um they lost a lot of games. I think he also had more turnovers than assists. Um, kind of a Jalen Brown. No, thing. he looked he looked like the lights were too bright and he wasn't even the NBA in. Yeah. It just was a rough, rough year. Mm-hmm. But you know, his raw physical tools and everything is what still made him like capable of going to the NBA for like a one and done. Um, it made him a late first round draft pick instead of a lottery pick. But uh, I thought that was a like Nuggets were a perfect team to take a swing on a guy like that, you know, because we're like we don't need him to pan out, but what if he does? If he does. It's kind if of the does, same. You just same have a cheaper MPJ. Yeah, the same reason we got we drafted an MPJ. Like the re- the same reason why that taking that swing made sense for the Nuggets at fourteen was because it was like, well, we have our core. Um, we're probably going to be competing in the playoffs here in a couple of years. So we don't really need this guy to pan out, but if he does, we're going to be scary. If like, his back hurts, we don't care. <laughs> Which yeah. it still does, but... Uh, well, no, because in a weird way, has MPJ just kind of morphed into Jaden McDaniels? Like, well, he's been playing good on defense. and He's not Jaden McDaniels on defense. No, but, but like, like, his play style has pushed more into that than what he was. 
Oh yeah, being more of like a role player instead of a star. Yeah. You mean? Well, be more of a three and D role player. Yeah. Uh huh. As opposed to like what he kind of was expected to be coming out of Mizzou, which was yeah. like, I am a flamethrower, like Fear a KD. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's disrespectful to KD's defense, but yes. Yeah, but that was like his main comparison in in the draft. Um, him and like T Mac was another big comparison. Yeah. Um. So okay, KD made me think of Wemby. Have you seen the oh, picture? Yeah. No. We can finish out your Nuggets thing before we talk about it. But Yeah. Um, okay, so I think the last thing I'll say about the Nuggets, though, you know, Jokic was the only really good thing in that game. Um, everybody else was terrible. And Jokic also, he has had Sombor doubles, which for those who don't know is a near-miss triple-double where he has like nine assists or nine rebounds, one of those. Um, he had He's had those the past two games now, so... I wanted him to get uh, 108, so pass Jason Kidd in the first in-season tournament game for the Nuggets on Friday when we played against the Mavericks, because that just would have been cool, him passing Jason Kidd while Jason Kidd is coaching on the other team. Um, But sadly, he ended with nine assists, and then he also got nine assists the other night. Um, So, But he's definitely the all-time, I don't even know, I want to look up that list sometime, but I know he's the all-time leader in in uh games where somebody has a double double with nine in the other category i think he has like 45 on his career which is the disprovement of him being a stat pattern yeah like unless he's unless now this new stat padding is him just getting to that number and then and then going out yeah but um yeah so that was the the other interesting thing but um we also yeah so we played the, the bulls the other night and the Mavs the night before that got both of those wins. So we're still undefeated at home, and hopefully we keep that up. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out to the Wolves, which I guess I should give a little bit more context for those listening. The reason why that was such a like a game to talk about is because the final score was... The, the Nuggets only put up 89 points, which is um, very unlike the Nuggets. That's uh, unlike... Even bad teams usually get to 90 or 95. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the fact that the Wolves did that to the best offense in basketball. The, yeah. Like, if, you say they're, if you're saying they're not a top three offense in the NBA, you're delusional. Yeah. And they held them to under 90. It's yeah. mind boggling. But I think that, yeah, like I said before, I think the number one, like the best team imaginable for the Timberwolves to match up with and like do better than everybody else against is the Nuggets. So. There's a little bit piece of that, but even with that, this was still a pretty lopsided affair that should not have been to the degree that it was. Um, so it was a one ten eighty nine win. So uh, yeah, and I don't think I don't even think Ant had like an insane game or anything. He might have now that I say that. Um, Twenty four points, but yeah, I think that'll be enough for Nuggets corner. I, I guess is kind of what that turned into. But we have two more things on the docket. Um, as we're looking to end this episode at some point, try not to let this one go as long as this last several have, but we have the Harden trade to talk about, but also Wemby. Did you want to end on Wemby still? Uh, we can end on Wemby. I'm trying to find this picture of okay. Katie trying to block Wemby. I think it was on their Halloween night game. Okay. But yeah, the big news that I, that um, we could have talked about last episode, if we were, would have recorded it the next day, um, and that was the Harden trade. 
Like we talked a little bit about it last episode where I I was mentioning like it'll inevitably happen. Like Harden will be moved inevitably at some point. Um, And then lo and behold, it was that very day that it happened. And it doesn't give the Sixers like a ton for right now. It gives them more depth, but it doesn't like replace Harden's contribution really. Um, Which you could say that just having Maxi there doing what he's been doing kind of is a substitution. Yeah. Kind of uh, is making up for that loss in Harden. Um, But so, yeah, I I think the the Sixers came away about as good as you can from this situation with James Harden having uh, not the best uh, recent history. So his trade value is not near as high as as a player of his ilk should be. But they basically just got some 3 and D wings for in exchange for James Harden and PJ Tucker, by the way, was also given up in the trade. So the 76ers sent Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Petrusev to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, uh, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, and KJ Martin, as well, as well as a 2028 unprotected first round pick and two second round picks. Um, also a 2029 pick swap an additional first-round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I don't know how they got in on that. If the Clippers dumped somebody off to the Thunder as a part of this deal, and the Thunder just gave them a pick. I know it was talked about, but I don't know if I've seen it yet. Like, I know that that was like, oh, this will probably happen, but I don't know if I've seen anything official. Oh, so apparently the Clippers are sending a 2027 first-round pick swap to the Thunder clearing the way for the Thunder to move a protected 2026 first-round pick to the Sixers. So the Clippers sent the Thunder a swap in exchange for them sending a pick, I guess. So it was a three-way team thing. Yeah, it was a three-way trade, but I thought... It actually was, but it wasn't. Or was it just actually just straight-up one? It was a three-team trade, but the Thunder just didn't have any player personnel moved in and out, in or out. It was just picks. Um, but which is just weird. I've never seen that happen before where a team gives up a first round pick in exchange for a swap. It seems backwards, but well, who, whose swap are they getting? The Clippers in 2027, which could be good. It, I would argue it's probably for sure better than what they'll have. Yeah, but that is not worth, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't, it does it, it makes like it gets a little bit better of your own pick, but you're also giving up a different year's pick. You know? Yeah, that, so it's like, they have to be getting something else. That's weird. It, it must be like cash or something. I don't know. I don't know. That is weird. Sam Presti doesn't lose that bad. Yeah, he doesn't do that. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, unless the league is like, hey, you have to trade some of these picks. <laughs> like get get rid of some of them. Um, but yeah, so the, now the the Clippers have a lineup of. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, once he does play. I don't think he's played in a Clippers uniform yet, um, as far as I know. I think he's been out still with getting back up to speed. So, yeah, so Russ, Harden, PG, Kawhi, and Evita Zubats is their starting five, which is, when everybody's healthy, um, is pretty formidable. Uh, They got P.J. Tucker as a key bench player there, too. Norm Powell off the bench still. Uh, and also they didn't give up Terrence Mann, which was like apparently the deal breaker, like the reason why the deal took 
this long to actually happen was because the Clippers were not willing to throw in Terrence Mann this whole well, time. Did, did, you, did you see his comment that he was like, he was oh, no. very relieved. He like came out and was like, I was glad to still be a Clipper when I woke up. Oh, really? Because he saw the notification Harden's getting moved and he was like, I honestly think that the, that the Sixers would be a way better fit for Terrence Mann. But maybe he just doesn't vibe wanna with move. something. Or, yeah, yeah want to move. Want to just move across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know where he's from. I, went, I know he went to FSU, but... um, Yeah, it's probably... Relocating for no reason in the middle of a season is probably not very... Want- well, he's from New York, actually. He was born in New York. So... Up in Philly's neck of the woods, um, which I don't know if you can call the Northeast metropolitan like area. I feel like if anything, woods. it's like bad blood because of how second seg- segmented they are. If anything, it's bad blood. Is that what you said? Yeah, like if you're like oh, a New like York he wouldn't guy, like Philly. Like, I'm a big Philly guy. Yeah, but at least York, it's like close to family and home, friends. Yeah, yeah. But unless unless he's just like only born there and didn't grow up there. That could be a, a thing. That's also true. Um, Shout out to Gerald Ford, former president of the United States in Omaha. He was born in Omaha. Did not grow up there at all. He was always in Michigan. I honestly didn't even know that. Yep, Gerald Ford Maybe. was born in Omaha. Wow. That's only, nice to me. Only like Nebraska, quote unquote, president. Is that true? Other ones have gotten close, but yeah. Hmm. Wow. Uh, like there was one, William Jennings Bryan. Bryan. Never heard of him. Uh, Brian LGA. So it's Brian. William Jennings Brian, like Brian LGA. Oh, the hospital. Yep. Okay. Named after him. He was a writer. He's also one of the statues at the Capitol in uh, Washington, D.C. for Nebraska, or he used to be. Now I think it is uh, that that lady author and an Indian oh. chief. Lady author. Jane Austen? Not Nebraska. Is she not from Nebraska? Nope. She's English. Um, oh, really? Who is it that's from Nebraska? Willa Cather. Oh, yeah. She is like poet, right? She's a poet. Well, she, she wrote the um, Little House on the Prairies. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I knew that. There might be another person that I'm thinking. I want to make sure I'm not leading you astray. Yes. Well, Jane Austen is, in fact, a British person. Yeah. Um, Hello, governor. But, yeah. So. Let's cut that out. <laughs> the hello, governor? No, you don't have to. It's okay. I'm a little stupid. Um. <laughs> But we were, sorry, before we got distracted, we were on, oh, Terrence Mann is from New York, but he might not like Philly, but he didn't want to leave, which totally makes sense, even though the fit might be a little bit better. Just thought of a hypothetical big brain. Sam Mm -hmm. Presti doing some favors for Daryl Morey. Okay. Helping things happen. Yeah. In preparation for Joel Embiid to throw a fit and be like, hey, Daryl. I'll pay even. I'll pay fair, but don't upcharge me. I help you out, buddy. In pre- preparation for getting Embiid later, is that what you're saying? Yeah, dial it in. Maybe like, I'll send you uh, this Chet Holmgren. You ever heard of him? <laughs> and uh, four first round picks. Because guess what? I've still got seven in the in the trunk. Because <laughs> I did you that favor. It's only if Embiid is like, I'm not. I don't want anything to do with this brotherly love anymore. <laughs> but that won't happen. Embiid is as, as Philly as like cheesesteaks, which seems wild know. for a guy that was born in Cameroon. Yeah, and that's true. His own, maybe he's not, but it just the people of Philly, I think, love Embiid. Like they just oh do. for sure. 
I agree. But, but does he love them back? I think he does this in the same way because the Philly fans, like, they love their athletes, but at the same time, they are, like, at a moment's notice away. They're at a moment's notice away from throwing him in the garbage as soon as he's, like, doing something that they don't like. One of the greatest Philadelphia, like, the Philadelphia fan, the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia fan experience. There mm. is a guy that saved a child from a fire, had to catch them falling out of a window, and he goes, good thing I'm not Nelson Aguilar because I can actually catch, just in the middle, just saved a child's life. And just, wow. Nelson Aguilar was a wide receiver that has bad hands and played for yeah. Philly. He just drops it in there, just casually. That's the most Philadelphia. Like somebody recording the video? Or no, it what? was a newscast thing. Oh, wow. And he catches it, and then talking to the reporter, it's like, good thing I can catch. I'm like, Nelson Aguilar. Oh, the, the guy who actually did it, did it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll, I'll find it and then send it to you so you can look at it. No, yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, that is definitely Philly, right on the nose. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I guess this Harden trade, I've heard some people saying that, uh, like, the, I think the biggest reaction to it is people saying the Clippers aren't scary. Like, people are like, I feel like people think we should be scared of, of the Clippers. This is kind of coming from Nuggets fans, um, but I'm not scared at all. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm scared of the Clippers as a Nuggets fan necessarily, but they definitely are, like, much more in the mix of, like, a contender now in the West. Yes, but, like... I think people are looking at them in the same way of the names of like, it's 2014, run for your effing lives. James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and mm -hmm. uh, Russell Westbrook are all on the same team. Yeah. It's just not that at all. Yeah. It's, it's a very different, it's a respect. Okay, like these guys can all hoop, can play ball. Mm -hmm. They're all uh, still very good. They're all still good, but they're just not... None of them are peak of their powers right now. Unless Kawhi and Paul George could be still if we see them We haven't play. seen it in stretches, so I'm just going to yeah. say they're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do I That's think fair. that Kawhi can just show up and for a week be like, you guys thought Jokic was the best player on this planet? Yeah. <laughs> and just like goes. <laughs> just his laugh. <laughs> just does. Obviously, he wouldn't verbatim say that, but he mm -hmm. could just, just show up and do it because in that playoff series – we saw like two games of like, that is a terrifying man to have to play against. Yep. And then he stopped again. Yeah. And w what he did was just went toe to toe with KD and was out dueling him. Those definitively, first two games. Not even yeah. close. Just definitively mm -hmm. was like, you have nothing on me. Yep. Also, by the way, Devin Booker was on the other team as well. <laughs> and, but yeah, the Clippers, I think went up 2-0, I want to say. Yeah. Like somehow Kawhi Leonard was both the first and second best player on the court. He did. He he took one and two, yeah. and then everyone else filled in. Mm -hmm. Um, he was just was that he was that not only good, but Kawhi was always like, oh, he quietly has this. He quietly did all this stuff. Yeah, offensively, yeah. but both his offense and his defense were loud in those two mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. Yep, Is there the, were a lot of possessions with him on KD. Not like every possession, obviously, but there were there were a few uh, enough for it to be like all, a bunch of clip clippable moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this this Clippers team is scary if they are all are all healthy and the, all can like work together and play together. Well, I think I'm not worried about that part at all. I guess that's probably what we should talk about here because I that's yeah that's good that you brought that up because that, that is another criticism that I've seen from people of saying that this Clippers team won't work and there's too many guys who need the ball, 
which is like, who needs the ball? I mean, Russ, I feel like has been okay. He's done a lot better with the Clippers than he did with the Lakers of being like, yeah, like he, he still needs the ball a little bit, but, um, it's not, it's not like it's 2017 Russ anymore. And then Harden has been like distributing and playing like not necessarily playing off the ball, but being able to dish a lot more and not not be as much of like the the score and ISO creator uh, like he used to be. He's, he's been, been like point guard Harden in Philly, yeah, and in and Brooklyn. So running pick and pops with Harden and Kawhi or Harden and and Paul George is like a great like the thing is. Kawhi and Paul George have n- both never been guys that are like, oh, they need the ball in their hands. Like they, yeah, no, they, they do good insane. with the ball in their hands, but like the they're both th- big wings that can that can shoot, catch and shoot super well. Um, they're not neither of them are like point guard, like you know needy for ter- in terms of percentage of ball time, yeah. whatever you call it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Usage. They don't need to have usage. an insanely high usage. Exactly. The percent they get is just an efficient. Mm-hmm. Time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're like Jalen and Tatum. They're uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's kind of the same lane that they're in. Like with the Celtics, they, this whole time that we're like, oh, they need a point guard. But like with the Clippers, it's like, oh, they have these guys that can play on ball. That's that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like it's doesn't make sense. Um, if the if the Celtics had maybe not Russ because you probably wouldn't like that, but like. Just remove your bias of like who Russ and Harden no, are. I would take Russ. Okay, okay, you would take that. Like Russ and Harden. Well, on I don't the want Celtics Harden team. because of the teams he's played for and the way he's left. Yeah, I, Russ, I get that. I'm fine with Russ. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have any. I'm like a Russ stan a little bit, not like hardcore, but okay. I, I'm I'm not anti Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that people forget that he had like as many triple doubles as Jokic has had. But it feels like Jokic has done it over like a bunch of years. Russ just did it in like two. Yeah, which is just after KD left. Yeah, yeah. After KD, he just was like, "I'm gonna have 42 or 41 triple doubles in a season." I think I looked that up after we talked about that that one episode. I think it now that now I don't remember it again, but I think it was 42. I want to say it it was either half or over half. It was yeah, disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like that is crazy. Because he, I know he averaged a triple double. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he they, did that so twice, they, at least twice, maybe, maybe in three times. I know his first MVP or his only MVP. It was yeah, um, twenty seventeen was the was first a, time anybody had ever tra- averaged a triple double, right? Uh, since Oscar Robertson, a long, long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was the first season since because I think Oscar might have done it either once or twice. And then it was Westbrook the first is, in the the modern version of basketball. Yeah. Hmm. Three-point line. No, Robertson had the three-point line. Uh, no, I don't think so. Eight, 1980 was the first year with the... Uh, oh, so then he definitely line. didn't. I'm delusional. I thought it was... Yeah. I don't know he what was, year I thought He was, was older but. in 71, 72 range where he won the championship with the Bucks. So I, I think he might have been out of the league by the time the three-point line was there. But um, yeah, Russ, though, he averaged... He got a triple-double. Let's look at this. Three seasons now. Yeah, with Washington, he did that, and it was like a loud one. Holy cow! Like the 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 most like well above the what was it? I, no four times. He's he's gotten he's averaged a triple double on a season four times. Four times. To to Houston or to to OKC 
And then three OKCs. Oh, three OKCs and then the Washington one. Yeah. So 2017 was his first one, which was 31.6 points per game. That was the, that was the big thing. He averaged 31.6 points per game. So huge then, scoring numbers. And then 10.7 rebounds, 10.4 assists. Because the assist was the one that everybody was like, oh, is he going to get it? I remember the assist was the one that everybody was like, this is going to be close. Yeah. And then the next year, 25.4 points. And then 10.1 rebounds, 10.3 assists. Next season, 23 points per game, 11 rebounds, 10.7 assists. So that was like even better as far as like the the rebounds and assists getting easier. And then Washington was ridiculous. He got 22.2 points per game, but he had 11.5 rebounds and 11.7 assists. I think it's probably because the points were only at only, I understand, at 22 is yeah. why it wasn't like this, oh, what the heck? Yeah. It's crazy. He had a great year in Washington. No, and he but, wasn't, well, I he know was that not an all People love him. Yeah. Because they're like, he came here. He probably didn't want to be here, but he just like played as hard as he could mm-hmm. and got us to the playoffs. Yeah. And, and he, he like made a little bit of noise in the playoffs. I think they lost first round, but they were like, aggressive. yeah, they did against the Sixers. Yeah. Who were the one seed that year? Oh man, mm-hmm. no, yeah, I would be fine if Russell Westbrook somehow physically could work out into Boston, but I'm pretty uh, content with bald man Buffalo Soldier. Um, instead of yeah. us going forever, we can. I'm I'm good to stop talking about Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, we, and, yeah, and the Clippers because uh, I think Wemby deserves maybe Some an time. episode in himself. Yeah, um, I think so too. Because so I'm gonna send Logan a picture here and then hope if you can just like show it yeah this is this is just uh-huh. this is crazy yeah that is okay uh... so for reference logan will probably pop a picture up uh here now that i've got it sent to him and he's frozen no he's unfrozen you okay. are not frozen anymore um so this is crazy kevin durant seven six eleven seven foot tall for, yeah for reference mm-hmm this looks like a child and a normal sized adult man. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like it's, it's Katie's what, Kate, fingertip is at his elbow. Yeah. His elbow. It, yeah. It's literally what, this is what uh, Katie does to like Isaiah yeah, Thomas. Exactly. What I was about to say, it's like what everybody looks like guarding KD. This is what KD looks like guarding Victor. That's how big of a difference this is. And honestly, and just, Victor seems to have more of like a, a Mamba mentality in a way than KD does. Well, no. And then also I think the first step is what we talked about. Like last episode about Wemby is he like the Spurs were like, we're not going to use you how we're supposed to. You silly goose. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do that. We're in crunch time. Uh, Stand down there and get the rebounds, young man. And now they were like, let's just uh, not force feed him, but he was definitely like more involved. Yeah. Like Greg Popovich took every all of them by the ears like a grandpa is what I visualized. It was like, okay, you guys can try to score, but if you don't look at Wemby, I'm going <laughs> to cut all of you. Yeah, not with a knife. You're not going to be on my NBA roster. Uh huh. Yeah. When crunch and... time is around, everyone, let's look for uh, potentially the greatest basketball player to breathe oxygen in the history of mankind. Does that sound mm-hmm. like a good idea, everyone? And then all of a sudden they're duking it out with anybody in crunch time, and mm-hmm. Wemby's just. And the thing that I loved about Wemby, it is one sequence. So at the top of the key, I don't know, I I don't remember who. It, anyway, 
They throw this like kind of bad lob pass to Wemby, but he's going to get it because he's literally a tree mm-hmm. and he catches it. And then instead of going up bad and weak, he flicks it out to the three point line for his wide open friend to just splash it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he could have went up and had a contested easy-ish layup because he's a giant human. But, but he, he saw sees, the open three. Yeah. He sees the open three and goes, Phew! and then he hits another three. And then this picture happens. And then they go, they take down the Phoenix Suns. Some people think the only people that could challenge the throne of the Denver Nuggets. And they beat them twice in three days. They give them a day off to adjust. And they just go, can't do it. Even bigger of a win, yeah. Just mm-hmm. like, no, the first one, I'm like, okay. Spurs, I apologize. I didn't I didn't fully understand that Wemby was going to adapt like a, an off-season's worth of work in a week. Shout out to mm-hmm. you, Victor Wembanyama, for cooking with the, the most sauciest of sauces. Sorry, I just was so impassioned yeah, no. watching him. Mm-hmm. I almost forgot about my boy Chet. I thought <laughs> I had a chance. After yeah. the first week, I'm like, Chet's played so good, and Victor's like kind of adjusting. I didn't know that it would take a week for Wembenyama to look like it's his sophomore season, which yeah, shame on me. But I mean, I that game against anybody... KD, that that last Suns game was like a legit, like an All NBA type of player game. Like no, it's just like I don't think everybody thought he was like, okay. He's gonna be good. Like he's gonna be good right away. He might not be insane right away, but if he does this, like even if he does this once a week, one of his three games a week. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, because you said you hit the no on the nose. He looked like a top 15 player on planet Earth for 48 in minutes yeah. in that game. And I, I'm questioning if, like, if it might be pretty re- more repeatable than people think because that was the only game, at least I believe, that's been the only game so far this season where the Spurs have played without Devin Vassell, who has, who a lot of people were saying, not a lot of people, but the Anybody who said Wemby wasn't the best player on this team go, coming into the season, people were saying it was Devin Vassell. Um, and he's Devin Vassell's been more of the had more usage so far this season. You know, he's been more of the the focal point offensively. And I think that like we saw exactly the reason why it should be Wemby in that in that second Suns game where they dominated the entire game, where it was like Wemby was getting a lot more of the touches. He was more the primary focal point of the offense instead of like just having all these reps with Vassell kind of just creating something in, in the mid range and stuff, you know, I feel yes. like it should be, it should be Vassell playing off of Wemby, not the other way around. And I think the thing that gets me so passionate is it's not even like, Oh, his numbers were big. Ha ha burr. In the first son's game, he had four blocks and only Three personal fouls. You know what one of the hardest things to figure out how to do in the NBA on the defensive side is? I got something in my eye. Anyway. Especially as a big like shot as blocker. As a big shot blocker is to, against these elite foul drawers, mm-hmm. to stay clean. Yep. And he stayed clean. Mm-hmm. Except for his first game. I think he had like five. Yeah, first game was not great. But, but um, and then he you just, expect that, though, as a young player. 38 points, 10 boards. Two blocks, a steal, yep, not that yep. many assists, but who and cares? he, but he like closed it out down the stretch. No, was, he was uh, he was why they won that game. Oh yeah, it was him, one hundred percent, just being. And I honestly, I think it's just because it was like 
away. It wasn't at home. It was a, it just there were so many things that were good. Um, the only bummer is they looked like crap on Sunday against the Lakers. That kind of splashed water on. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna see this. This is gonna be an up and down season for sure with how just young for, that team is. It's the with, youngest team in the NBA. And he looked bad also. I think is the other piece yeah. of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just. You know, it, there's this is terrifying. Yeah, if he really is, it took him one to five games. One, two, three. That was his sixth game. I that think. was his fourth and fifth game. It took him. We'll call it five games just to be like, okay, I'm comfortable now. Yeah. Run for the hills, everyone! Mm-hmm. You just gave Greg Popovich his third Hall of Fame center. <laughs> yeah, um, I I saw Brian Windhorst said. Because, uh, you know, Brian Windhorst was the guy that's been covering LeBron like ever since he was in high school. He's like, that's the reason Brian Windhorst is Brian Windhorst now is because he was mm-hmm. like the number one LeBron coverage guy. Um, and he said that like the game that Wemby just had in his, I think he said it was the sixth game of his career, I want to say. Maybe it was fifth though. The second Suns game. Um, he said that LeBron didn't have a game like at that level until his 65th game in the NBA like well into the end of his his first rookie of his rookie season um and that that's just kind of crazy to put that in perspective like lebron who we think of as like one of the best guys from day one um yes one of the most start and just start the motor and he was decent he was good he was good very good yeah right away at 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 a teenaged age you know it wasn't like Tim Duncan who was coming in like practically a, a fifth year guy who like he should have been like a fifth year in the NBA his rookie season and was dominating right away and was an MB I think he got like second or third in MVP Tim Duncan did and he was a, a rookie <laughs> but um that that wasn't quite the same thing cuz he was well past uh the age of Wemby and and LeBron um but yeah this that's just pretty crazy that uh Wemby was has been performing the way he has been. I, I also I I want to go back to where I said that it should be Vassell playing off of Wemby, not the other way around. I feel like it it should be both of them playing off of each other is more what I mean. Like it it just definitely shouldn't be Vassell dominating the ball and Wemby gets his where he can fit in type of thing. Like it definitely should be more of a a uh, inclusive offense between the two of them. Um, because Wemby is definitely going to be getting Vassell a lot of looks, open looks and opportunities. Um, like it's, I feel like it'll just be the smart thing for Vassell to actually lean into that because he's going to get just like Jamal playing with Jokic. He's going to get so many high quality looks and like such easy offense playing a two man game with somebody like that. Yeah. I, it just makes him better too. That's what I don't like. You would just look better if you utilize the pieces around you. Yeah. And so you would of just be regarded to... as a better basketball player. Uh huh. Straight exactly. up. No yeah. world you're not. Yeah. For sure. I agree. 100%. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be fun to see where this, this Spurs team is at in like two years even from now. How, if they're competing for like a play-in spot um, or even above that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they'll definitely need to figure out like some of the other rotation pieces on their team. Not quite nailed down yet i like jeremy sohan a lot it, he's got to work on a shot a little bit um like at least a little bit but 
yeah, that overall though they're looking pretty good, uh, and I like that that fit of Zach Collins and Wemby next to each other. That works they're very well. Very big front line. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to touch on or no. I just wanted to like I feel like I've I've portrayed myself as more of a uh, Wemby hater, even though I'm not. I wouldn't say that. No, but kind, I guess kind of because just of in terms of my chapter. love affair with uh, Chet. But yeah, this it, that was just two games of just like. This is, this is potentially going to be a long ride for the rest of the NBA if uh, things keep going in this trajectory. I don't think you can go much higher than being like that level. Mm-hmm. You can in theory, but no, it's yeah. it, it was I agree. wild. Um, yeah. So by closing this thing out, there's just a couple quick things I'll I'll mention. Don't need to really talk about them, but uh, I remembered the other episode where. Uh, we're talking about Julius Randle and you said like, Oh, uh, all-star season. I like said it quite like with a question mark. And I was like, Oh no, it was an all NBA season. He made 13 all NBA that season that we were talking about. He actually made second team all NBA in, in 2021, 2023, he made third team all NBA. So he's, he's been on NBA twice in his career now. That just, so just a correction on that. Cause that's kind of, that's a big difference. Uh, he was second team All NBA in 2021 with LeBron James. That was the other forward on, on the All NBA second team. And 2023, uh, he was third team. And also, that kind of goes with the joke that people have been making now that in even numbered years, Randall is trash, and odd number of years, he's amazing. Uh, so. 2024 has been pretty bad so far. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah. And then, yeah. and then the other thing I wanted to mention was last night I watched the Charlotte and Indiana game, uh, which was a wild finish. I don't know if you saw that. Tyrese Halliburton had 43 points. Oh, we also should have definitely brought up NBA refs suck this year. Figure your life out or you get paid to be an NBA ref. Sorry. Sorry, was there something that you the, saw? The that... Warriors. What in the Oh, garbage? yeah. <laughs> I forgot about my, my, my secondary thinking hat. I'm an yeah. OKC Thunder stan. Uh, mm-hmm. We should still be undefeated. Or two lost, one loss. Uh, I don't know what the Thunder's record is right now. That man. The that would they would have had two losses because I knew they lost to the Nuggets, also lost to the Pelicans. And that Warriors one was also one forty one to one thirty nine. What a wild game! Which which game? That Warriors game was one forty one. Oh to yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost. That uh-huh. was just. But there's been a lot of other things of just refs being inconsistent. And I feel like they're just inconsistent to the rules that are written in hard, hard ink. Yeah. Maybe we just follow those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It must be some sort of like for, ruling thing for, that they, they can so, do. But I've never heard that before where they, the end of the game. There you go. Here's the, context uh, for people. Yeah. So they, at the end of the game between the Warriors and the Thunder. Um, Steph went up for a game-winning layup and sank it, but it bounced around on the rim a little before it went in. And Draymond Green jumped up in preparation for a, a, a tip-in, t- yeah, tip-in putback, and he didn't. He he pulled away. He stopped because the he saw the ball was gonna stay in probably, but he in, instead just basically slaps the rim, not like a like a just a little innocent barely tap he like he full-on like smacked the rim made it shake a little bit um 
I don't think it affected the shot necessarily. No, it but definitely you, didn't. But you can't. You, also, you can't know that for sure because it did hit the rim after after he hit it, hit the rim with his hand, and there's there there's not no world where it you know it could have done a little bit maybe. But it's like, the thing is, that's a rule for a reason. Because you don't want to go into the judgment zone of like, oh, it probably didn't affect this. Like, yeah. it, he grabbed the rim. He took, he smacked the rim full on. That's against the rules. That's it. That's an offensive interference. What I think the thing is, immediately, everyone that was watching it on both sides had the corresponding reaction of Draymond touched the rim. That yeah. bucket doesn't count. Yeah, the Warriors like, were not like, like arguing arguing it. The Warriors weren't arguing it at all. Yeah. Like like afterwards, because they were going to official review to make sure, because like, they didn't call it initially. They're going to review to see if it did happen. And then as they were reviewing it, the Warriors bench were all like, like you, you, it showed shots of like Draymond walking up to Steph and being like, my bad, and like being all disappointed. Like they all were like, dang, that, that were, were he lost because of that. And then it wasn't a loss. All, it would have been tied, I think, at that point. Yeah, it, okay. it might have been. Anyway, I know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry. it would have been tied. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was nitty gritty yeah. for no reason. No, yeah, you're you're right though. I for some reason I was thinking they were not tied, but uh, yeah. So, but it was a big moment for sure. And um, Draymond, yeah. So like they were they were accepting that they it was a a goaltend or a offensive interference. And then like the ref comes over. They must have heard it before he said it into the microphone because all of the Warriors players just start like running around celebrating on the court while the, everybody's quiet because they're like trying to see what the ref is going to say. And he's like, he's, he basically says, um, the calling, the ruling on the floor stands, uh, is a good basket. Uh, Draymond Green does touch the, the, the rim on the shot, but it was inconsequential or like it, it did not affect the outcome of the shot. Uh, so it was deemed, deemed like irrelevant basically. It was like, what can you can do that? You can just say that it doesn't matter that he broke the rules. (laughs) Like, that's insane. And like, apparently I saw the next day or like sometime later on a broadcast, I think it was Malika Andrews who was talking about the, about the game on ESPN, who said that apparently what the ruling was, they, they changed it to, they called a goaltend on, on Giddy for, t- for grabbing the, the net below Draymond. The net as Draymond's hands, arm, body forced Giddy's hand into the net. He didn't grab the net. His hand went and t- into touched, the net yeah. because Draymond's entire body was moving towards the rim not that that's a problem with draymond but if you want to call anything inconsequential uh having an entire adult male push your arm forward into just the net that doesn't move the rim at all into just the net before the wow the ball's in the air yeah giddy's hand cleared the ball's not touching anything as giddy's hands moving through yeah anyway and uh also that like I'm fine with them, like not fine, but that makes more sense than what they did. Like if they would have said that, they didn't say that. The the ref didn't mention that as like part of the call, or he just said, "Nope, the what Draymond did doesn't really matter." So it was a basket. It was a good basket. Like he didn't say that there was a goaltend on Josh Giddy, but apparently it might have gone down that way in like the official ruling, like the what's on the play by play chart or whatever. Um, but. That's not what he said. <laughs> and then the other thing that didn't get brought up was the Warriors were not called for a delay of game when the Thunder were ready for the inbound of the basketball after the final basket, which mm-hmm. Irving said the referees had to clear up, quote, 
multiple administrative matters before restarting play. Well, interesting. <laughs> Super legitimate uh, phrasing there. Anyway, yeah. that's all I got on Wemby. That's all I got on that. What we were talking about something a little bit before we got there. Yeah, I was we going, going to mention the yeah. I was saying. Well, it was the last thing I was going to mention for this episode. It was, it was the game I saw last night between the Hornets and the Pacers. Um, Tyrese Halliburton had forty three points. It was a really good game down the stretch. But uh, there was a play in there where Aaron Neesmith, like, he basically just got in the way of Brandon. Um, Brandon Miller, who is guarding Tyrese Halliburton, who had 43 points and hit seven threes in that game. Um, so Brandon Miller was trying to rush out to Tyrese Halliburton in the corner. I'm Breaking sorry. CJ McComb has a collapsed right lung. I feel like he's had that before. It's like... Well, he does now. Why? He keeps having lung issues. Yeah, and they also... Um, someone... He retweeted this. Uh, they did a picture of him doing this. Okay. Holding his breath like mm-hmm, and, like in a uh, game. And CJ McCollum says this is an insane picture to post with the news. <laughs> yeah. Like the actual CJ McCollum. Like this is not yeah. like a fake account. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that just we didn't get jumped this time like we did with the Harden thing like hours after we stopped. Yeah. We got I'll, hardened, but this yeah. also isn't the same level of news. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. Um I was just saying that Brandon Miller he was guarding Tyrese Halliburton, who had 43 points that game and seven three-pointers. And so Tyrese Halliburton was in the corner. Brandon Miller was rushing out to, to get to him. And uh, Aaron Neesmith just kind of walks in. Like he sets, it's definitely a moving screen. He's trying to get in front of him to keep him from getting out there. And Brandon Miller just kind of like, it's trying to get through there and runs, kind of runs straight into the middle of his chest and runs him over. And Neesmith like flips out. And like starts running at him and i just love like i i've said before i'm not uh, like a fan of brandon miller but i i feel like i might start becoming a fan of him like his personality has a little bit of a charm to it because the way he reacts to aaron neesmith is hilarious like he he like runs him over and then gets up and then he sees like neesmith just running up on him like all like mad and trying to get up in his grill and uh, Brandon Miller doesn't flinch or do anything. He just like looks over at him and just like gives him this like glare that is like, really? Like, this is what you're doing right now? <laughs> like, he was completely like just not amused by it. Um, it was one of the funniest I've re- reactions I've seen to somebody trying to fight somebody else. <laughs> but yeah, and apparently he's from Nashville, Brandon Miller. That's his hometown, born and raised. And uh, that's where he was in high school. And uh, uh, Vanderbilt is in Nashville. And that's where Aaron Neesmith went to college. So I'm guessing they, they have to know each other pretty well. I just watched the clip. <laughs> <laughs> the way he looks at him no, is because hilarious. he's like, because then he like stumbled into Halliburton. Yeah. And uh-huh. then he like, as Neesmith runs at him, Halliburton's in between the two. And uh-huh. he, it's, it's, it's like the Nick Young, what? Oh, <laughs> it's like the Russ Westbrook. He's just like. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? It's just I, I also just was confused and he's like why he's sitting Smith was... on the Pacers bench essentially. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, it was a funny clip for anybody who hasn't seen it. <laughs> but yeah, that was okay. a, just a great game overall. By the way, uh, worth a watch if you. Uh, and also, gotta watch it on Charlotte's broadcast because Eric Collins is a must-watch broadcast. He just makes every game so fun. I don't know. That's that's good. He, he just does. Um. But we don't need to revisit that because we are well within um, a normal 
time time uh span of a episode what it should be um and so yeah we'll end it here try to make this this be more the norm from now on um but yeah so thank you guys for watching please uh do all the stuff that we usually say like subscribe and like the video if you're on youtube follow the feed on spot slash hoop theory yeah patreon.com slash hoop theory buy me a coffee slash hoop theory you want to support the show go to those places um and so yeah follow the feed on spotify rate the show do all those things uh appreciate you guys watching and consuming the content also announcement i know i just announced a couple episodes ago that i was changing the schedule for uploading on the tiktoks and uh, the shorts um I, I i'm gonna move it to every day of the week now not including the weekends for uh videos because it is getting to be a little bit of a of a too much on my plate i guess for trying to get pump out a short every single day i would like to pump pump out like good quality shorts and not just rushed ones that are like you know Man. have to put it out so uh yeah so it'll be monday every monday will be a purdle video and then tuesday wednesday thursday will be pod clips of us here talking and then uh friday will be a rotating game one between a nba hoop grid or a larry Birdle game maybe a dribble game one of those will be every friday so that will be the plan from now on try to stick to that um for those of you who care but yeah that will be it for today's episode um so stay happy stay healthy we will talk to you guys next time peace